Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's message where we've got a new series going. We're answering the question, is the law bad? Man, i got a lot to cover today, so I'm just going to jump right on this. You know, one of the things we want to talk about today, we want to talk about God's goal for your life. You know, if we understand God's goals, then it really changes the way we read and understand anything, the way we interpret what God is saying to our heart. You know, everything that God says to us, everything we read, every sermon we hear, every book we ever read, it runs through a filter, uh, and we interpret what we read based on our paradigm, based on our understanding of what God's intentions are. You know, there is a there there is a, a method that is taught in, in seminaries and Bible colleges and this sort of thing called hermeneutics. Now, hermeneutics is really uh, the study or the research or the science of how you interpret things. Now, we all have a place that we start, a basic place where we start. And based on where we start and, and, and usually where we start is related to what we think the goal is. And so we start with this intention of fulfilling a particular goal. Therefore, every idea that we get, every everything that we hear, everything we read, we change it a little bit or we interpret it in a way that will help us fulfill what we believe that the goal is. But the question we have to ask is this, do I really know what God's goal is? Am I really confident in what God's goal is? And do I understand one of the most important things about the character and nature of God? God never produces chaos. God is always orderly. He is always consistent, which means, you know, the Apostle Paul in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 1, 19, I believe it is, he, he's saying, listen, when we preach the gospel to you, our message will not yes and no. In other words, sometimes God's good, sometimes he's not. Sometimes he's going to hurt you, sometimes he's going to help you. No, he said our message was always yes. Therefore, all of the promises that God has ever made to anyone they are yours all the time because you're in Jesus. Now, see, that just doesn't fit the religious paradigm because the religious paradigm says, well, sometimes God's yes, sometimes God's no, sometimes God's maybe, sometimes he doesn't want to answer that prayer, he's going to make you suffer. All of these things that are totally inconsistent with what Jesus has shown us about God, about his character, and about his nature. You know, in Matthew, the 11th chapter, and everybody's familiar with this. You know, this is the famous take my yoke upon you uh, chapter. And really that that uh, chapter kind of starts out by saying, look, I played you a sad song, you won't cry. I played you a happy song and you won't dance. That's, that's really just kind of my interpretation of it. And, and so, so he's talking about the fact that religious people never will get satisfied. Religious people are, they're struggling. They're trying to do things their own way. And one of the things that he says when he gets down in verse uh, 12 uh, of Matthew chapter 11, he says, uh, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent 
take it by force. Now, there's a couple of things that we understand from this verse. His reference to the kingdom of heaven is not talking about heaven after you die. Heaven is not suffering violence because that battle has already been won. Jesus has already conquered, defeated Satan, cast him out. And uh, there, there isn't a struggle going on right now between God and the devil. There's a struggle going on in the hearts of man as to who we're going to serve. But uh, Satan's already lost that battle. But another really interesting thing about this, it says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I can remember hearing sermon after sermon after sermon about that from that passage of scripture, teaching us to be violent, use our, use our faith violently to take the kingdom. No, 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 no. What happened to righteousness, peace, and joy? What about the scriptures tell us to seek peace with all men? What about the, the scriptures that tell us to let the peace of God rule, referee, and reign in our hearts? What about all of these scriptures about the peace of God and the fact that God's name is the God of peace? You know, it's kind of interesting in the book of Ephesians when Paul talks about when, when we realize our experience with the resurrection life and that we've been raised up in resurrection life, that, that we are in Christ and in him uh, we rule and reign over all the principalities, over all the powers through the God of peace. It's kind of interesting. It didn't say through the God of war. We stay at peace because we know this battle has been won. And so, you know, one, one sort of translation of, of this leans toward the idea that says that violent-natured people or violent people attempt to take the kingdom of heaven by force, and you know it absolutely can't be done. Now, people who are trying to take something by force, sometimes they're legalists, sometimes they're liberals. You know, liberals don't know that they are just legalists of a different kind. And uh, uh, whether you're a liberal, whether you're a legalist, you're adding or you're taking away from the Word of God. If you're a legalist, you're making it harder and making more rules. If you're a liberal, you're trying to make it softer and tone down uh, uh, what God said or what God didn't say because it sounds it's not nice. It's too too offensive to to you and too offensive to to whoever you're trying to preach to. And so Jesus kind of preaches along Matthew chapter eleven. He gets down to verse twenty eight and he gives the solution for this. He says. Come unto me, all you labor, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. One translation says, I'll give you rest yourself. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and I, because I am gentle, I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest to your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this concept of wearing a yoke has to do with harmonizing. It was amazing at what we try to do by force, the things that we try to make happen. We try to use our faith like it's a force to, to you know, tear things up and attack things and all this kind of stuff. But the truth is, if Jesus has accomplished a finished work, then all we've got to do is harmonize with what he has done. Faith is when we believe what he has done. Believe, believe all that he has given us, all that he has declared to be legal in our life, and just harmonize with that. And all that he has declared to be illegal and unacceptable in our life, harmonize with that. And so he's saying, look, if you will just yoke up with me, you know, in, in the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul talks about walking in the spirit. If you'll just walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, that phrase walk in the spirit actually means to just get in step. It's sort of like so like we're gonna we're gonna kind of march down this path together. We're gonna get in step. We're not gonna trip each other. 
uh, it's going to be easy in life. And if we're wearing a yoke and we're in, we're in sync, we're in harmony with each other, then nobody, uh, you know, we do our part, the other one does his part. And so nobody is carrying all the load. Everybody understands their part. Everybody does their part. And so if we're going to yoke up with Jesus, this means that we have to understand what God wants in our life. You know, uh, uh, in the audio series of this, I, I entitled this message, uh, The Goal of the Commandment, because every commandment that God has ever given has a particular goal. And, uh, and, and actually, they all share the same goal. He doesn't, he doesn't have different goals for every different thing that he says. He has a generalized goal and some specific processes along that continuum that, that we're going to walk through. And I'm telling you, when we understand that and just harmonize ourselves with God's goals, God's intentions, it just is amazing at how easy uh, life becomes. So God's a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. Um, he has a goal and a purpose and an intention for everything that he says and everything he does. And I want you to understand something. Between the old covenant and the new covenant, God's goals and intentions have never changed. God had to take the human race through this process that we, all the way from the Garden of Eden, where he taught people orally, where he communed with Adam, really face to face, heart to heart. And then ultimately he, he taught people through dreams and all of these different ways. And then finally we get down to the, uh, down to Moses and children of Israel coming out of Egypt. He gave us the law and the commandments. And then we come out of that and we get into the time of the prophets and, and all those kinds of things. Then we get into uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus, and then we get into the establishing of the new covenant. And at the end of the day, what we know is before the foundations of the world, God determined that he wanted a family and that the only way a family could be with him is if that family actually uh, existed in righteousness, because unrighteousness cannot stand in the presence of God unrighteousness is consumed in, in the presence of God, not because he's attacking it. It's just because of the purity of his presence. It is totally, it is totally consumed. And so, and so God made that possible for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. All of this was determined before the foundation of the world that we would all come to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. But he had to, he had to take us through all of these different stages so that we would, would understand who he is, we'd understand what his intention for us is, and, and we could understand how to make this journey. And so, so he's taking us on a journey, and the ultimate is not only for us individually, but the ultimate is that us and our children, our family, all the people that we can influence, for us to bring as many people with us to be a part of his family. Now, we can't do anything about the people who don't want to be a part of his family, but I'm going to tell you something. He will use you in ways that you can't even imagine. So let's just, let's, let's just roll on down here just a little bit. You know, uh, in 1 Timothy, and we, we read a little bit about starting in 1 Timothy 5, uh, chapter 1, probably about verse 7, where it talks about the unlawful use of the law. But let's, let's look at now what it says the purpose of the commandment is. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from a sincere faith. 
that that's kind of it. You know, this word for commandment here, let me just say this. This word for commandment is not the same word that is used of the law and the commandments. This word commandment is any instruction, any direction that God has given anywhere in the scripture. You know, so, some people think that Jesus only had two commandments, to believe on him and to walk in love. Well, um, that's really not the case. Everything that Jesus said to his disciples, you know, you go over and read anywhere in, in, in the gospels you but you uh, particularly go over and read john 14 15 16 17 through there all these things that were jesus talked about uh you know to abide in him to abide in his word these things i've commanded you these things i've said to you all of those all of those things were commandments that they were not just mere suggestions when a king says something and it comes out of his mouth it is a decree it is a commandment and so it really, everything that Jesus ever said was a commandment. Now, whether or not a commandment seems burdensome, difficult, negative, uh, seems to bind you up, it seems to oppress you, all depends on your hermeneutics. It all depends on what is, what is your basis uh, of interpretation and understanding everything that God has ever said and that God has ever done. So really, this word, for commandment, the purpose of the commandment. This would include the law and the commandments. This would include the teachings of Jesus. This would include the teachings of Paul. This would include everything that is written in the word of God that is considered to be part of the scripture. And so, so everything God's ever said, everything God has ever done is going to ultimately fulfill this goal of us spending eternity with him and Jesus Christ being glorified because he is the focal point of salvation. He is the focal point of eternity. It is in him, through him, by him, with him, for him, uh, that all of this is coming to pass. So, so everything God's ever said is to fulfill this go. But this right here, this love from a pure heart, this good conscience, this sincere faith, you say, well, that's, that's, you're not, that's a different goal. No, actually, this is something that facilitates our ability to fulfill his goals. This is something that facilitates how I interpret God. In other words, if I'm if I am hearing what Jesus said, whether he said it to the disciples, no matter who he said it to, if I'm hearing what Moses said, even though he said it in the Old Testament, if I'm hearing uh, and learning the principles that God put forth in the historical books, and then then. And I'm listening, and I'm listening uh, from a perspective that says God is good. God is only good. God is always yes. He's not yes and no. He's not yes sometimes. He's not no sometimes. God has delivered me from the curse of the law, Galatians 3.13. So God is never seeking to bring me under any penalty of the law. Number two, uh, God has given me the gift of righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ. And be uh, because I am in him, I am qualified to inherit all, all of the kingdom. Everything that God gave to Jesus is mine because I am in him, and I'm qualified for one reason, because I am in him. And number three, all the promises that God ever made to anybody are yes for me because I am in him. So suddenly, how can, how, how can you take those scriptures and come up with anything bad that God wants to do? So I have to make sure that when I'm reading a scripture, I am not imposing upon it some kind of religious idea. You know, the very first uh, uh, video that we did 
in this series was talking about the veil that covers some people's minds. For some people, uh, their veil is, is legalism. For some people, their veil is liberalism. For some people, their veil is whatever their church doctrine is, whatever their church, whatever their family has believed, whatever their traditions are, what their political party believes. All of us have some kind of veil that tends to affect the way we see, read, interpret, and understand everything that God's ever said. And you can be a legalist when you're reading the sweetest, kindest words that Jesus has ever spoken. Trust me, I see them. I see posts every single day on social media where people are making everything about, about legalism. So if I have a love from a pure heart, I am going to fulfill in everything that I learn from God, every commandment that he gives, gives I'm going to understand that his goal in that is love. And love is an expression of value. It's an expression of uh, of, of someone being held in high regard. It is a it is a, an expression of considering someone precious. So whatever God does, whatever God says to anybody, any the human race, He is saying it because He holds us in high regard. He has great, great, great value for us. He considers us uh, uh, He considers us precious. As a matter of fact, the very first uh, feast or celebration that the children of Israel had uh, was Passover. Passover was actually part of leavened bread, but the first the first feast was Passover. Now, why was Passover the first feast? Because the the principle behind Passover is that you, by the blood, are delivered from wrath. So, all of the other feasts, or everything else that God said, every commandment that God gave them from the time from the time Moses came and started preaching to the time they went into the promised land should have been preceded with a reminder in a person's heart that I am delivered from wrath. There's nothing God is saying to me because he's mad at me. There's nothing that God is saying to me because he wants to hurt me. Everything that God is saying to me is, is either going to directly point me to fulfilling his specific goals, or it's going to facilitate fulfilling those specific goals. And so if God's got a pure heart of love, and remember, that's it's all, it's all we, if it sounds like anything other than him expressing his value for me, how precious I am, holding me in high regard, if it's anything other than that, I'm probably misunderstanding. And even the word chastisement, uh, in, in the Greek language, the word chastisement does not mean to whip, it does not mean to beat, it means to child train uh, the way you would train a child that you favor, not a child that you're angry with, not a child that you hate, not a child that you despise. And so even when God is correcting us or quote, quote, chastising us, he is not bringing pain. He's not bringing hardship. He's not bringing suffering. And, his, and all he's ever doing is trying to lead us like a parent would lead a child that they favor. And so that means then that that if I realize that this is God's goal, then in my heart, I can receive anything that he says. And even if it sounds hard, even if it sounds difficult, I can say, well, wait a minute. If I'm making this hard or if I'm making this difficult, I am missing the goal of God's love for me in this. And also, he says the purpose, another purpose of the commandment is a good conscience. 
Now, the conscience is the voice of the heart. The word conscience means dual knowledge. We have a dual source of knowledge within us. We have all the information that comes to us because our spirit is alive to God, and that information goes into our heart. Then we have all the information that comes really from our mind uh, through our five senses. And so our heart is a combination of our spirit and our soul, and that's the dual source of knowledge. So when our heart is crooked, when our heart is hard, when our heart is broken, when our, you know, when our heart has any of these number of afflictions uh, that it's capable of having, then the problem is we really can't have a meaningful relationship with God. We can't have a meaningful relationship with anybody. And the apostle John said over in 1 John, he said that when, you know, when we fail to walk in love, that our heart condemns us. And, when, and even though God's greater than our heart, and we should always realize that even when my heart is condemning me, it doesn't mean that God's condemning me. And I have to, I have to turn to the word of God. I have to turn to the promises of God. I have to stir myself up and remind myself that God's for me, that he's never against me. And so once I go, once I go back to that place, then I can recover my conscience. But if I don't go back to that place, or if I go in and I start negatively interpreting scripture, then I am going to take myself deeper and deeper and deeper into a violated conscience or into what the Bible calls condemnation. And John says well, the problem with this is when we have when our heart condemns us, then we don't have confidence before God. And when we don't have confidence before God, we can't receive answers to our prayers. Now, it's not because God cuts us off. It's not because God decides that he's going to that he's going to stop answering our prayers until we start doing right. No, it's because we lose confidence. And everything between us and God is only real. It's only genuine. It's only sincere if, in fact, uh, it comes from our heart and our heart fills with faith. And we don't experience grace if we don't have faith. So, bam, we cut ourselves off from from the power of God to work in us, the strength of God. You know, the old Pentecostals used to just call it the power of God. And, you know, they didn't call it grace. They didn't know it was grace. And that's all right. You, you know, you don't, you don't have to get the, you don't have to pronounce the word properly in order for it to work in your life. You just have to trust God for what he's going to do. So if we got a good conscience and we know, and, and we know everything that God does is, is done for the motive of love. And we do what we do for the motive of love, which causes us to have a, a, a good conscience, then then we're able to move toward this goal that God has for us and not get off track. And then last of all, uh, is so that you will have a sincere faith. So a sincere faith is a faith that really, it, it, it's not sneaky, it's not hypocritical, it's not a, I'm going to try to get something for nothing kind of faith. It's not, you know, what we used to call it, name it, claim it, grab it and stab it, you know, kind, kind of faith. We're not talking about something like about that. Because the real truth is, uh, faith is not as much what you believe about a specific promise as much as faith is what you believe about who God is. What is his character? Is he always true? Is he always honest? Is he always seeking the best for me? You know, did he, did this thing of me being baptized into the body of Christ, am I really protected? Is he really always trying to lead me? Can I trust him? And, you know, a real, a real good test, if you want to know really where your heart is in the new covenant, 
uh, go in and read the the uh, chapter Deuteron uh, chapter twenty eight of Deuteronomy where you read the blessings and the cursings of the law. And uh, I mentioned this a couple of messages back. I'm telling you, if if you get condemnation when you read those curses, then you don't have your heart established yet. Because we, every time we read all of these things that were curses of the law under the old covenant, uh, we need to immediately harmonize ourselves with what Jesus said. We need to immediately realize that we are qualified for all the promises, all the blessings. We need to immediately realize that because we are in him, we are delivered from the curse of the law. We should be able to read every blessing and every curse and recognize how that the qualifications for the blessings are in Jesus and the qualifications for the deliverance. Uh, is in Jesus, and that's that, and that's all of it. And so we've got to align ourselves up with the goal of God. But again, that doesn't just start with saying, oh, I know what God wants on the far end down here, because if I start with just the end goal, then I'm, I can still twist it. I can still make it hard. But if I start with coming firmly into uh, an immovable position about who God is, and remember, you know, God gave us God gave us all the promises of the law and all the deliverance from the curses of the law that should tell us who he is. God gave us his names to tell us who he is. He'll never do anything that's inconsistent with his name. But more importantly than anything, he gave us the Lord Jesus Christ who modeled everything that we would ever need to know about how to understand and interpret anything in the law and to reveal his nature. You know, when Jesus brought glory to God, remember, glory means to manifest something. It means to make it visible, to make it seen. And so Jesus never did anything that glorified God or that was said to glorify God that was negative, that was bad, that was destructive. As every time he healed somebody that didn't deserve it, every time he forgave somebody's sins that didn't deserve it. So God was glorified in all of the good things that Jesus did for the human race. And so if I start there, I will find myself to the proper end goal of everything that God ever says. I will, I will be aiming at the right target. But even if I have the right target, but I don't start out with who God is, then I'll always get off track. I, I will always twist this up somehow. I will always end up doing something that, you know, that's going to be destructive. So the commandment, the, the word commandment here is anything that God ever said, whether he said it through a prophet, whether he said it through Moses, whether he said it through Jesus, whether he said it through the New Testament, whether he said it through the Old Testament, it's all instruction. And this instruction is going to show you how to have love from a pure heart, how to have a good conscience, how to have faith that is not corrupt, selfish, and self-centered. Listen, I got a great, great, great audio series for this. I'm actually... I'm actually probably going to pop a couple of bonus uh, messages in this thing that, that you'll get for free. And so download, download this audio series today. Listen to it as you're going through this particular series. And be sure and share this with people who are struggling with the law, who are struggling with understanding who God is. Listen to this a couple of times. Download your, download your audio series. And man, be with me next week because we're going to take another deep dive. Blessings to you. I can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address 
www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.